This morning we're going to talk about counteracting distractions. Counteracting distractions. Psalms chapter 62, verse 5 to verse 8. Have you come to church this morning? I said, have you come to church this morning? Don't forget they're watching you at home. Have you come to church this morning? I'm really ready to preach the word because I'm realizing, Barcelona, God's word is sustaining people. I've been so encouraged as we've met people in many places I've been to, people who watch the program, who log on on social media, and all of them are saying God's word is helping them. And it really, really, for me, it's, it's like a song in my ears because that's why we do what we do. Psalms chapter 62, verse 5 to verse 8. Let me read. I'm reading the King James Bible. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. Hey, if we can go home now, says it really already. Eh? He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, and I shall not be moved. <laughs> Verse 7 and 8, I'm not going to focus on the mark. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him, God is a refuge for us, sailor. Can someone say amen? amen? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, my expectation is in God. Tell them again, neighbor, my expectation is in God. Look at someone else and say, neighbor, God is my salvation. He is my rock. He is my defense. Look at them and say, therefore, I shall not be moved. Years ago, we used to sing a song, and I was surprised in the first service when I was trying to find out from people who were there. It looked like nobody knew about the song, just a handful of people. There's a song we used to sing many years ago when we were still younger. We used to say, Jesus is my Savior, I shall not be moved. How many of you know that song? Yeah, just like the first service. And then it would say, no, 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 I shall not be moved. The book of Psalms, Bazalwana have a wonderful capacity to really capture the reality of our human experience. You know, when you read the book of Psalms, you, you kind of see yourself there because in the way the Psalms are written, they, they seem to express the common experience of the human race. The Psalms were composed by numerous authors, the various psalms, when you read them, they express emotions, personal feelings, attitudes, gratitudes, and interest of the average individual. So when you read the book of Psalms, you know, it's not like when you read other books of, are written by certain people, but you, when you read, you realize these people are far spiritually. When you read the book of Psalms, you know, you can, you can identify with the guy, you feel what they are saying. Therefore, universally, people have identified their lot in life with what we find in the book of Psalms. Because in every experience of our own, no matter how deep the pain, 
No matter how great the frustration or how exhilarating the joy, we can find psalms which echo our innermost being. Psalms which God uses to, to bring comfort and to confirm us in our situation. I mean, Psalms 46, that talks about God being an ever-present help in a time of need. Psalms chapter 90, When you read these Psalms, you, it brings you closer. And so, these Psalms are so important. We are told that the Psalms were written over an extended period of time. Most probably coming between uh, the year 1000 and the year 400 BC. They were written, of course, by different authors at several times, different times of life. Several times we have new groups of Psalms that were added to the collection. When you read the book of Psalms, if you look at your Bible, there's 150 chapters, 150 Psalms. And of these 150 psalms, 73 of these psalms were written by David, including the psalm that we are reflecting on today. The psalms actually were used by the children of Israel in public worship. They were also used by the children of Israel in private devotions. And, you know, and like I said, they, they just show us how intimate and how free our relationship with God can be. As we share with God every thought and every feeling and every pain and every emotion and, and when we talk to him, we don't try to sanitize what we are saying. We don't try to distill what we are saying. We don't try to sift what we are saying. We lay it there and we leave our hearts at the altar as we talk to our God. And God, true to his character, he responds to us in kind and he talks to us in a way that will be able to uplift our lives. And so, Psalm 62, the theme of it, very interesting. I read you verse 5 and verse 6, but this very verse 5 and verse 6 is actually the verses that the psalm starts with. In verse 1, David writes there, and he says, I am waiting in silence to God. He says, my soul finds rest in God alone. He repeats this statement in verse 5. What David is literally saying is that only to God is my soul in silence. He's saying it's only when I, I relate with God and when I reflect on God that my soul is at silence, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of challenge. It's only when I reflect on God that even when I'm going through a storm, somehow the fact that I'm thinking about God and talking about God and talking to God, it brings a certain calmness in my life. In other words, he's saying, only God is the one that I look to with complete calmness. He knew that since God, in his words, is my rock, since God is my salvation, since God is my fortress, then even in hard times, I cannot be shaken. In times of attack and challenge, I cannot be shaken. David uses that analogy like warriors who go out at war. And as they're at war, they get a time where they have to retreat and go into the safety of a fortress. These cities that were built, with, which were very strong and formidable, and you couldn't penetrate them. He says, as warriors used to feel at ease in these impregnable fortresses. So even with me, 
when I rest in God, I feel so safe. So it's very interesting to note that David is saying, in these difficult and challenging times, in these times of distractions and disruptions, in these times when Satan is trying to get us to give up, we are not going to give up and take our focus from the promises of God. So again, he says, my soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense and I shall not be moved. In short, David is saying, I'm waiting on God and I'm expecting him to come through for me. I'm not going to let my expectation die because I'm in a storm. And I'm not going to let my expectation die because it's taking too long. I'm not going to allow the devil to distract me because it's taking too long. God is my rock, in other words. He's the source of my safety. God is my salvation. In other words, he is the source of my deliverance. God is my fortress. In other words, he is my defense. And he says, for that reason, I shall not be moved. Are there people in this house who say, I shall not be moved, no matter what comes my way? David says, I will not allow myself to forget who God is in my life because I am coming under attack or that the attack is taking too long. I'm not going to let myself forget who God is because of how long this lockdown is taking. I'm not going to allow myself to forget who God is. I shall not be moved. I shall not be distracted. Instead, David says, I will live with expectation. What is he saying? Those dreams you had for your life, please don't press the delete button. Those New Year resolutions that look like they will never happen, please don't press the delete button. Those plans that you had to postpone for the umpteenth time, please don't press a delete button because God is your strength and God is your expectation. David says, I shall not be moved, nor will I allow myself to be as distracted. Instead, I will live with expectation. I will not cave in to something contrary to what I'm expecting God to do because he has proved to be a God who comes through all the time. In the Message Bible, it reads, God, the one and only. <laughs> I'll wait as long as he says. Everything I hope for comes from him. So, why not? Why not? I mean, everything I hope for, everything I am, comes from him. He's come through for me. So why not this time? Verse 6. His solid rock under my feet, breathing room for my soul, an impregnable castle, I am set for life. Tell your neighbor, I am set for life, man. I am set for life. So in other words, David says, do not allow yourself to be distracted. He says, I will hold on to the promises of God. Distraction is one of the worst enemies that causes us to forget the promises of God and to let go of the promises of God. 
David says, keep waiting, keep holding on to your faith until the manifestation of what God has promised, no matter how long it takes. You see, what Satan wants is to discourage you and tell you that your faith is in vain, your prayers is in vain, your believing is in vain, your planning is in vain. Satan wants to tell you your preaching is in vain. He wants to tell you your right living is in vain. He wants to tell you the seeds that you're sowing are in vain. He wants to tell you you are just waiting your time. And David is saying, no, keep waiting and holding on to your faith until the manifestation of what God has promised. You see, destruction is Satan's favorite way of getting up to give up our expectation for God to come through for us. And more so in times of challenge, when it's taking too long to get there, he distracts us. Destruction, therefore, is a dream thief. It will rob you of your vision from God. It will rob you of your faith. It will rob you of moving forward. As a matter of fact, Jesus, when he talked about, taught about the parable of the seed and the sower, he shows us there how distractions will neutralize the power of God's word. Go with me to Mark chapter 4, please. Mark chapter 4. Can you turn there with me? In verse 18... After Jesus had taught about the sower and the word, when he explains in verse 18, he says, And these are they that are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Not what Jesus said. Jesus is saying, when the word has gone into their heart, it will produce. When the word has been applied, it will produce. Matter what Satan will do, he will bring the cares of this world, he will bring the deceitfulness of riches, he will bring the lust of other things, and when these things come, they enter in and they choke the word. It means for a while, the word was beginning to have results. For a while, the word was beginning to change things. But because Satan brought the cares of this world, the cares of this world came in and they destroyed what was already starting to be alive. Let me read it to you in the Amplified Bible. In the Amplified Bible, it says, the ones among the thorns are others who hear the word, I will leave the other things, he says, and the cares and anxieties of the world and the distractions of the age creeping in, choke the word, suffocate the word, and it becomes fruitless. So Satan makes sure that when you have applied God's word and you have done what God has said, he brings in the distractions of the age. Because he knows when we are distracted, it is the distraction that will enter into our lives, enter into our hearts, and it will strangle what God said would happen in our lives. Can I hear an amen, therefore? You see, a distraction, when you are distracting somebody, it's an act of drawing away the mind and the attention of the person. 
So you've used your faith, you've done what you should. Satan takes away your mind and takes away your attention. He wants to draw your mind and your attention from what God has said. He wants you to forget that God is a rock. He wants you to forget God is a fortress. He wants you to forget that God is a faithful God. He wants you to forget that God is a God who is true to his word. David said, never, nah, I shall not be moved. My expectation is on God. Somebody say, my expectation is on God. Let me show you three challenges. It's a distraction. Three kinds of distractions that come away. The first challenge of distraction in our walk with God is when we have prayed and we have released our faith and we are now waiting for the manifestation. Many times you find we have prayed, we've used our faith, but after amen, we are waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. This is where many people get distracted. Because we've prayed, we've said amen, but now we are waiting it out. Hebrews 10 verse 35 and 36 says, Do not give up on your hope, which will be greatly rewarded. For having done what is right in God's eyes, you have need of waiting before his word has an effect for you. So this scripture is telling us, after you've released your faith, after you've done what God has said, wait and be patient so that things come to pass as God has said. The first distraction is many people between the amen and the manifestation of what they've prayed for. The big problem. That's the first distraction. The second distraction is when things move from bad to worse. After you've prayed, after you've done everything, things move from bad to worse. In Mark chapter 5, we read a very interesting story of a man by the name of Jairus who came to Jesus, and the Bible tells us he fell at the feet of Jesus and said to Jesus, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus went with him. Just like God. How mukopa? He does it. Just like you, when you prayed, you started seeing the Intodi Improver Hanyan. Like some of you say, you started seeing the green shoots. Well, I want to know something is happening. But then something happens. As Jesus is on his way to the house of Jairus, here comes the woman with the issue of blood. You all know the story. She touches the hem of the garment of Jesus. She gets healed. She starts giving Jesus this long testimony. Now, go all the way down to verse 35, I believe it is. Verse 35. It whilst Jesus was speaking to this woman, some came from the house of this ruler of the synagogue, and they said to him, don't bother, don't bother the master any further, your daughter is dead. Have you ever been there where things were working? For a while they were working, and then you, were even, you even gave us a testimony, and all of a sudden the bottom falls out. And Jairus was in that situation. And I want you to listen to what Jesus said because what Jesus said to this man is what you need to learn. Note what it says there in verse 35. It says, while he was speaking, they said this, verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not 
Be afraid, only believe. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, listen, when things move from bad to worse, you don't need to pray anymore. You don't need to do anything. Just keep on believing. Do not let fear come into your heart. Can I hear an amen in this house? Sometimes things move from bad to worse. And the key is to keep on believing what God has said. Number three, the third thing is when we get tired and our soul gets weary, we get tired of doing what is right. That's the third distraction. You've been praying for long, but you're not seeing any results. You've been giving your tithe, marahawani nicks. You've been coming to church, marahawani different. You've been reading the Bible, mara you don't see any transformation. The temptation is to give up. Let me show you something that will help you. In Galatians 6, 9, the Bible says, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, in due season, we shall reap if, somebody say if, say it again, if, if we faint not, we will reap. How many people stop praying? How many people stop doing what is right? Continually doing what the word of God says will finally bring the results. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. Mara, one day is one day. If you don't believe me, ask a man by the name of Cornelius. I called him Simon in the other service. I don't know why he came from Alibiso Lelinch. In Acts chapter 10, from verse 1, in the NIV it says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. Note, he gave generously to those in need and he prayed to God regularly. Somebody say regularly. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, regularly. Tell your other neighbor, neighbor, regularly. See, many people, when they do something, they are not regular. They don't read the Bible regularly. They don't pray regularly. They don't want to commit to certain things regularly. But yet, I want and they get tired because they don't see results. See, if you allow that, you get distracted from seeing the results. Now watch, verse 3. One day, at 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear and he said, what is it, Lord? He asked. The angel says, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial before God. Can I hear an amen, Bazalan? Can I hear an amen? The message Bible says, your prayers and your neighborly acts have brought you to God's attention. I see somebody that's going to be brought to God's attention in this house today. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? The NIV says your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial before God. The complete Jewish Bible says your acts of charity have gone up into God's presence so that he has you on his mind. God wants to have you on his mind. But you see, sometimes we don't realize when we do certain things continually, they come up before God. In fact, Bazalon, in the book of Revelations, chapter 5, verse 8, 
This is what John writes. He says, when he, he said, I saw the angels. I saw what was going on in heaven. And when the angel had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb, each one having a harp, a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Some of you don't realize that the prayers that you prayed 10 years ago are the ones that are bringing the fruit that you are seeing today. Because we're not maybe ulibets what you said 10 years ago, but in God's book, God puts them in a bowl. Can I hear an amen? It reads there in chapter 8, verse 3, then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. My soul, wait only on God for my expectation is from him. He only is the rock of my salvation. He is my defense, I shall not be moved. You know, the Lord showed me something during the week. And I was thinking about this and praying along these lines that unfortunately what causes us to think God doesn't respond is because we are one generational minded. God is multi-generational minded. See, when we pray and something doesn't happen in my lifetime, I may have the assumption that that prayer never went anywhere with God. But as I thought about it, Bazalana, I realized something, even as I stand here. My late mother used to sit right in that chair over there. And when she passed on several years ago, it was hard for me even to stand here and look at that chair. And I'm thinking about it. My mother, thank God she got to see the building. But she never got to see me being consecrated as a bishop, which happened on the 10th of February. In a few days I'll be celebrating that. My late father, who played such a huge role of sowing and sowing and praying for me, Never even got to see this building. Now, in his mind, maybe he thought what he prayed for never came to pass. But even after long when he's gone, your prayers never ever fade out in the presence of God. And that is why I say my soul will trust only in God. And my expectation is on him. God is my rock and I shall not be moved. And I'm saying in these times when the battle is long and the battle is drawn out, don't be distracted. Cast not away therefore your confidence which has great recompense of reward. No matter what it is that you're going through at home, God is aware of your challenge. God is aware of where you are. And this is why giving your life to Christ is the best thing that you can ever do in your life. And I want to invite you to pray with me right now. If you want to invite Christ in your life, join me in this prayer as we pray. Heavenly Father, say it with me, everybody. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart and to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. South Africa, I want to say to you, Though this battle is long, it may seem like it's not ending. Don't let yourself be distracted. There's a God in heaven who is our rock. 
There's a God in heaven who is our salvation. There's a God in heaven who is our fortress. You do not be distracted. Keep on expecting. Stand on his word and don't be moved. Because God will bring us through. It doesn't matter if you've lost loved ones. If you've lost your job. Whatever is happening in your life. God is a God who's able to lift us up. May the grace of God rest upon you. May the love of God rest upon you. Grace, mercy, and peace be upon you. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Give the Lord a big hand, everybody. Thank you, Jesus.